Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Rodney Taylor, a.k.a. The Penguin Gotham, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Hello, hello, everyone. Um, Welcome back to another awesome episode of Geek Vibes Live Interview. As always, I am your host, Tia, and I cannot believe the guests that we are going to have on our show today. It honestly just makes me a little breathless, and I'll obviously tell you guys it's going to be Tony Todd himself. The man, the myth, the legend. Um, I have to tell you guys that prior to this uh, interview, I was looking at his filmography. Just to, you know, brush up on it, uh, you obviously will probably know him from the Candyman franchise and so many other things. But we talk about Samuel Jackson, Morgan Freeman, and Liam Neeson as being in a lot of movies. But this man, Tony, has been in so many, so I am so excited to introduce him. Tony, this is Tia from Geek Vibes Nation. Welcome. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Good um, afternoon where you are, I guess, right? Well, I was going to say, I forget that it's uh, morning where you are, but yes, it is afternoon yeah. here. <laughs> okay. Great. In New York. Yes, in New York. Well, thank, okay. again, thank you for taking the time. I know this this was a little last minute, but wow, this is so yeah, exciting to be speaking with you. <laughs> uh, I'm humbled. Thank you. Um, so I I would think that the audience will probably know that uh, you really popularized the Candyman from the old uh, horror franchise, which is actually kind of getting a new makeover with uh, Jordan Peele's installment, but I yeah, really exactly. just kind of, I'm sorry? I said exactly. I mean, the spotlight has been turned back on the character, and I'm really proud of him. Right. And when we think about these horror characters, we obviously think of Jason Voorhees, uh, Freddy Krueger, even uh, Jeepers Creepers, and Candyman is obviously one of them. And I just have to ask, uh, how has that been just really seeing the influence and the fandom for the Candyman franchise throughout the years? Yeah, well, I think that I think you know, and this is no offense to the other characters, but Candyman's a cut above. Uh, our director and our writer, Bernard Rose, who adapted a short story from Clyde Barker called The Forbidden, had the genius to transpose it to Chicago. So we, it was more of a contemporary story, and it definitely wasn't joke filled. It was serious, and I think that's one of the long lasting implications of, of its work. Uh, we've had treatises uh, written about it in colleges, classes created about it. And, uh, I, uh, you know, we had wonderful collaborated artists. We had Philip Glass doing the music. Bernard, again, as a writer, director, myself, a great cast. Uh, Virginia Madsen couldn't do it without her. And the beautiful location of Chicago, which is one of the best cities in America. 
uh, and I think it's I think it's withstood the test of time because it's not it's not just a horror film. It explores social and uh, political ramifications in the inner city environment. Yeah, absolutely, and that's great when uh, a movie can do that, especially one that maybe from the outside looks like one thing, just a horror movie, but when it can also speak to all those other subjects, that's just really beautiful, honestly. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons that it stayed alive this long. We only did three of them, and, uh, you know, everywhere I go, people come up to me like, you know, I guess it's just embedded. I asked to do it. It used to bother me because people come up to me and say, you know, you scared me when I was a kid. And they said, well, how old were you when you watched it? And they would invariably say, seven, eight, nine. And we didn't make the film for children. And I went to the director. I said, why are these people, why, and, you know, I guess people were using it as a babysitting tool. But he said, Tony, anybody that remembers this childhood will remember it for the rest of their lives. So that sort of calmed me down. And uh, if we we're going for a long-lasting legacy, then I suppose that's it. Well, I and I know personally, uh, even with uh, Tim Curry's It, I know so many people who uh, say that that's the reason why they were scared of clowns. So, yeah, you know, in, exactly. <laughs> in a yeah. way, kids are always going to get their hands on movies that weren't necessarily made for them, you know? <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the nature of being a kid is, right? So, uh, yeah, but we, we had a good time making it. And I've had several conversations with Jordan, and I, I think his take on this new one is going to be uh, is going to be quite surprising. I'm really excited for it. Do you think that yeah. uh, Jordan Peele is going to have in his movie that famous scene where all those bees are on you, which, uh, by the I way, terrifies me? I, <laughs> I don't know the production values. You know, when we made the film, it was real time bees. We had real bees, and you know, so I know that they'll never be able to duplicate that because. It's a, you know, it's a CGI world now. Uh, no, but he's got other surprises in store. I can't speak any further without giving too much of the plot detail, um, but uh, I think that everybody will find it challenging, refreshing, and all-inclusive. Right. And, you know, also kind of speaking on Candyman, but mostly – your career has, and you're in so much, by the way. I was saying before you hopped on, uh, just all the Star Trek shows that you've been on, just everything in between. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I had audition. I mean, first of all, I grew up an only kid. I was raised, rescued, and raised by my aunt at age of three. So one of the reasons why I'm here today is she made sure every summer I was put in a different program that I had, that my mind stayed busy and I got even though I didn't realize we were poor until I was around 14 to make sure I had a hot food plate on my, hot plate of food on my table. And that, and we used to watch the 8 o'clock movies together, you know, and she would talk to me about the morality lessons. But Star Trek, the original Star Trek, is one of the things that we shared together. So when I came out to Los Angeles after the success of Platoon and found myself here, uh, I kept, they were interested, and I auditioned for them six times before I got the role of Kern. But when I got the role of turn, it was the role to get. Because, you know, not only was I the brother, the younger brother of, uh, of War, but it's one of the most fabulous Klingon characters ever written. And uh, uh, and, and Star Trek was what turned me on to the whole con world. You know, the convention started through 
Star Trek and the Star Trek conventions that used to be somewhere, everywhere in the country, everywhere in the world every week. So that's so I remember my first con was up in Vermont. I think they charged five dollars to get in, autographs for five dollars, the entire original cast was in, it was a blast. But it wasn't about it wasn't the business side of conventions that is more prominent now. It was just about sharing the joy with fans and sharing their appreciation. Yeah, and you know, I was um going to ask uh what really kind of drew you to sci-fi and horror, but it seems like it really originates back to watching the original Star Trek with your aunt. Yeah, but, you know, I, I grew up in the inner city. I grew up in the, the 60s where turbulent things were happening almost on a monthly basis. We just didn't have the global news coverage that we have today. Uh, you know, the Vietnam is a different time than that. Music is uh, more rough and political, and, uh, and my aunt kept me safe and protected, and uh, and just encouraged me to So, yes, indirectly started that side, but it was a love after the uh, She showed me that I could be anyone I wanted, and once I discovered scripts, which I've been reading them purposely, I realized. You explore different aspects of your own uh, psyche, which has been my goal. Right, and that's really just kind of like the beauty of being able to do these uh, characters that you've been doing throughout the years. Um, and you're, again, I keep saying this, but it's like I'm so in awe. You're such a staple amongst, like, you yeah. know, cinema. Well, you know, uh, but but I always say, uh, I went to, you know, I got my master's in theater, and I, we had 23 of the finest acting students that I ever encountered. And only three of us actually went on to have a career. Early on, people from class would call me and say, how did you do it? What's up? I had to give up. I had to go to the real world. And I said, well, you know, it, it takes perseverance, it takes luck, and it takes being at the right place at the right time. And then when you get the opportunity, you have to be prepared. And you have to give it your best. And then I think I've been fortunate enough to, uh, to to ride the roll of the dice for almost 30 years now. And one of uh, your more recent roles, which actually wasn't so much of a physical role, but I particularly loved you as uh, Zoom in the Flash series. And yeah, I have fun. to ask how that was. Uh, it was a good time. I'm doing more and more voiceover work these days. Um, they uh, reached out to us, I think, like 11 in the morning. By 3, we had to deal. It was originally only going to be four episodes and ended up being 20. So that was wonderful to be part of the DC universe. You know, as as an only kid, one of my escapes as a child was a comic book. So I was well familiar with the DC universe. And so I've been fortunate to play several characters within that world. We just finished doing Dark Side for Reign of Superman. And uh, I have a couple more projects coming up like that. So, man, we just, uh, there's, a new, there's a new show on Netflix, um, untitled, but it's about dragons and colonialists. And uh, it's been three years, and I got 26 episodes per year. But I get to play a dragon in that, Skyrack. So is, voiceover is fun, and it reaches, you know, those are things that kids are supposed to be seeing. And it's always great when I do a con and they come up to my face, and they don't put it together yet, but as soon as I lay a voice 
a dark side voice or a zoom voice or a dragon voice and their, their eyes just get wide with that anticipation and joy that we're all after. And it makes you feel like a child again. That's fantastic. And that Netflix yeah. uh, series that you're talking about, is that worth? The... No, Worth is a project that I did with Eduardo that's an independent film uh, about the kickboxing and boxing world. And right. I sort of play a coach and uh, uncle mentor to this young man who's finding his way, finding his path, and navigating the rings. So, uh, you know, we do, we try to do a mixture of pop culture. We do a lot of independent films because as an actor, that's where you're going to find a range of characters. I still love to do theater. I try to do some theater in some regional place uh, at least once every two years. Um, you know, whatever, whatever the parents present, they look at things. They try to make sure every role is different. I want to sound as one of the greatest character actors. I do throw these roles first and gripping and provocative. Yeah, and I think that some of the best uh movies are independent films they just maybe don't get as much uh exposure as you know no, the mainstream uh movies do but uh, now that i'm thinking about it, i do apologize worth i believe is on amazon prime right now yes it is and which is quite an accomplishment for a young filmmaker i mean he worked really hard this guy he wrote it um directed it starred in it you know, and I'm really proud of him, and I know he's working on his next project as well. So anytime I can be a mentor to these young filmmakers, I, you know, I, like, again, I came from the streets, never joined a gang, never been arrested, somehow managed to navigate my way out of that jungle and, and found, uh, found success and happiness. So anytime I can, like, uh, share the joy, uh, it's my pleasure. It's my duty. Absolutely. Yeah, that's very important for uh, all generations in the filmmaking industry to come together and help each other out. Absolutely. And uh, just kind of one more thing I do then, I know I'm ping-ponging a little here. Uh, it's okay. but so with, <laughs> uh, with the Netflix series, that, so you're saying that's, uh, even though it's untitled, it actually yeah. has uh, three uh, seasons that it's, it's been ordered it's for. Seasons. Yeah. Wow, Sorry that's fantastic. That. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> and, uh, and it's a lot of fun, actually. It's, uh, you know, I mean, you don't get to be a dragon every day. <laughs> and it's, I've been praying to play a unicorn, to be honest with you, because I like some of these pop art cultures. So the dragon is the next best thing. And, uh, and it turns out that he's, he's a noble dragon. So it's all good. So the next time they probably do, like, a Hobbit movie, Forget Benedict Cumberbatch. Let's get you as the dragon, right? <laughs> I'll take whatever I get. I'll never try to sabotage another actor to get a role. Uh, Rosemary's Baby is one of my favorite films. So, uh, you know, the roles that are meant to me are the ones that I'm going to get. Right, right. Uh, Tony, it's been wonderful. Um, you know, I know that you... I know that you uh, are dark, dark seed, uh, which is fantastic. Um, you have, yeah. you know, worth on Amazon Prime. You have this untitled uh, project. I, I just know that you're just such a busy actor. But do you have anything else that you'd like to plug with us right now? 
know because uh, people can follow me on Twitter. Or I always let people know what's going on. There's a lot of things in the pipeline, a lot of things I can't talk to you about, but there's a big deal that happened with one of the major networks that we're really oh, wow. excited about. And, uh, you know, our state, May, I'm gonna, there's like four films I got this year that I got to do from May to September. So we'll be traveling a lot and uh, all different. I can't talk about it yet because they're not shot yet. The work is good. And I'm going to do more in the upcoming years. So I'm really at least on life. That's awesome. And I know we're going to be keeping an eye out. I'm sorry? Anybody that's listening that maybe just, you know, study your world, know who you are, look at your point of view to the world, and keep writing the scripts. We can't do anything unless the story is written. We'll make sure it has a beginning, middle, and end. You know, keep the dream alive. Anybody, if I can do it, you can do it. Right. Anyone who's listening out there, make sure that you definitely keep that advice because, you know, everything is a cohesive teamwork. You got the writers, you got the actors, you got the production. You need all of it. Yes. Yes. And it's not, you know, there are people who think, oh, if I got to be in front of the camera, I got to be a director, I got to be a writer. There are so many positions in the film and TV world gaffers, electric grips. Uh, so many positions that people don't even know that happening. So if you're interested in the film, start on the ground floor and work your way to the top. Absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, Tony. Thank We're definitely going to be keeping. <laughs> We're going to be keeping an eye out for what you got going on, just because you're awesome. So <laughs> thank wow, you thank again, you Tony. For, <laughs> for being here. Yes, Bye-bye. you too. Thank you. <laughs>